Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one delectable page of Talmud every day. Today's page, Nazir 30, continues the fascinating and often fraught discussion of the relationship and responsibilities of fathers to sons and sons to fathers. But while earlier in the week we've seen a discussion of a father committing his son to becoming a Nazir, today we find something like the opposite. Have a listen. After all, the Talmud says, he still remains under his father's authority with regard to Nazariteship, as he has yet to develop, apologies for what's to follow, as he has yet to develop two pubic hairs. Rather, one must explain that he said the following, I shall be a Nazarite due to my father. I shall be a Nazarite due to my own vow. In other words, he did not link his statement to the question of whether he was old enough to vow, but to the issue of his father's authority with regard to Nazariteship, i.e. whether he had developed two hairs. Whew! Very complicated, but let's stop and figure out what's going on here. The rabbis are debating the case of a young man who barely reaches the age where a person can take vows, which they hold has to do with the appearance of two pubic hairs, which is a sign for the onset of puberty. Fine. But... The Talmud goes on to ask, what happens if a father commits his son to becoming an Azir and then the son reaches puberty in the middle of the period covered by the father's vow? Is the son now an adult who must affirm the vow of his own accord? Or is he still under warranty, so to speak, and covered by his father's original vow? Complicated, complicated stuff. But the idea behind it isn't complicated at all. It's a meditation on finding ourselves, on finding our own way to big things like religion and tradition that our parents prepare us for, but that only we could discover our own ways to love and make real for us. And so today, I want to bring you a simple and delightful story. The story of the Chala Prince, Idan Chabasov. He grew up in Israel, where Judaism, strangely, meant really little to him. It was just what everyone did. It wasn't a personal connection or a lived-in reality. It took him moving to Berlin and dabbling in baking to help him find his faith. Here is his charming conversation with my friend and colleague, Stephanie Butnik. Have a listen. Hey, my name is Zidan Chabasov, uh, known as well as the Chala Prince, and um, I was born in 85 in Tel Aviv. Um, I grew up to a very traditional family, um, and Chala for me was always, you know, I took it um, for granted in Israel. It's not, it never was something very big. Um, and then I moved to Berlin uh, when I was um, 28. And there I start actually my, my journey. Uh, my journey also discovering my, uh, my love to Judaism, which also in Israel was very difficult for me. Um, so in Berlin that's become more easy to do. I'm surprised to hear. Why was it? Why was it hard in Israel? I think, I think because I think because there I just was alone and nobody uh, tell me how what is what is the 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 good way to be uh, to be Jewish. So I make my decision what I like in Judaism, what I like to do, 
and uh, yeah, I, I kind of created a personal agreement with God. I love to call it, which feel comfortable, feel good, um, and somewhere in the middle of the way, I start to bake challah because I just miss the the taste. Uh, the food was the first thing in Berlin which I missed, and uh, I went to the Jewish bakery there. The challah was horrible, so I just understood that I don't have any choice and I need to bake myself. Um, and I fell in love. I fell in love from the first moment, just to mix the ingredients and also to open the oven and have that smell at home and to have that the most beautiful thing in the world come out from the oven. Um, since then, I'm basically baking every weekend. So it seems like challah is almost like the key to your spiritual, your religious identity. Is that is that correct? It is. It is correct. Um, I, I also feel that the challah actually brought me back to Israel uh, because in Berlin things start to get more uh, difficult for me, especially in the COVID time, uh, because I wanted to take challah prints one step forward. Uh, I just couldn't do it in Germany. Uh, I really wanted to do that. Uh, I really tried to find my way to do that. Uh, but I had a lot of, uh, strug I struggled with a lot of things there, bureaucracy, and uh, yeah, so I made the decision just to go back to Israel. And that was the most smart decision to do, exactly that the, the, the same it was to move Israel. Uh, from Israel to Berlin, so I'm very happy about this kind of uh, decision, decisions that I make in my life. So what kind of Jewish community were you a part of in Berlin? Um, many. Um, that was like a variety of communities there. Uh, some of them was Ashkenazi religious, some of them was more Sephardic and religious. I come along with everybody there. It was so much fun. I also met Keshet, which is a, a LGBT organization, uh, which they do uh, queer Shabbat dinners. And uh, as a part of the community, I really enjoyed that. And I think that was actually the first time that I could see how religious can be different uh, in the world. Uh, which in Israel, you know, to be, to be gay in Israel in, the, in a religious aspect, it's not that easy. It's so interesting, like you almost have this radical openness, it seems, Is that, was that always the case? Like you're sort of open to all sorts of communities of, of people. You're, I imagine when you're here in the United States meeting all types of, of Jewish people, is that something that's important to you? Yes, it's very important for me and also when I created a challah prince, that was uh, my first sentence that I was thinking about, it was challah for everybody. And I think the challah is a wonderful tool. Uh, if we just take it out from the Jew from the Jewish world, it's a wonderful tool that everybody can easily connect it to, uh, because it's easy to be creative with that. It's easy to be present with, with that, and you kind of going through a personal process when you bake. And I think everybody can relate to that. So when you say taking challah out of like the Jewish context, what do you mean by that? How have you done that? Um, so I, I have to say it's hard to do that because <laughs> it always meets you in some corner uh, somehow. Um, but uh, but yes, but as I said, it's it's a tool. It's a challah. It's not just a bread. It's not something that we mix the ingredients, bake and eat. Uh, there is some process that we go through, and I just say that. 
if you can eat it afterwards, it's just a bonus. And I really do believe that, you know, the kids, babies, uh, women, uh, guys, um, really can relate to this kind of, of um, activity. So you're on this uh, American World Tour. Um, what are some of the things that have surprised you about the people you've met? Um, I, I'm surprised actually every day how the Chala is, um, is so popular all over the world because I mentioned that before in Israel, you know, you take it for granted and it's just there. Uh, you never put that much intention to the, to the Chala there. And sudden I see how people, how people love Chala, how they appreciate it, they know how, how to appreciate it. And this is the most surprising thing for me uh, every day. Yeah, although I'm running Chala Prince already two years, to just to see that and, and feel it every day, it's amazing and surprising. So I know this has been a journey, but I mean, how would you describe your Jewish identity today? Um, I feel like I have some way to do still. Uh, to get more connected, for example, I would love one day to uh, to lishmor uh, Shabbat, to keep Shabbat. Uh, today I'm in a place that I'm still not very able to do. Uh, I do meditation, uh, I do fasting in Yom Kippur. Um, so I still feel uh, I have some journey uh, to do, definitely. Um, and I think, I, I really think that Judaism, it's very spiritual, uh, religious. And if we look at that as a, as a meditation, as a process, a life process of personal growth, so that can be fun. So I just prefer to today to just to approach to, to Judaism as something which is playful and fun. And so, you know, you talked about like religious Jews on the one hand. I mean, are there... What sorts of different Jewish communities have you reached in, in Israel, like yeah. with your work? So I know from my family, because my, my father was a religious, like Orthodox, and we are a family of Kohanim. So for him, it was very important for that me and my brother will follow um, the, um, the religious. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about the big things, I'm talking about the small things, like as a kid, sometimes you don't want to wear, uh, wear the kippah on your hand or you don't want to go to the synagogue or stuff like that. So I could feel that there is a little bit pressure uh, from my family side to do these things. And I think that wa that's the reason, main reason I was a bit against religious in general. And I try always to free myself from that and never give me the title of Jewish. Uh, today I'm proud to be Jewish and I know it's something big and I feel I, I, I use it. You see, I use it as, um, for, for myself as a human being. And you can meet a lot of kind of uh, approach to, to Judaism in Israel. Most of them, not like out of Israel, like in the US or Europe, are more strict. Uh, I, prefer, uh, I prefer to be Jewish out of Israel still. What do you mean? Why? Why is that? Because there is some pressure, that pressure that I'm talking about, it's always there, it's always in Israel, it always will be there. And because it's also a small country, we are not a lot of people there, and here it's big, and when place, when place become big, you have more options, and you can deliver your, your opinion about the religious in many different ways and aspects. 
That's interesting. So are there any like Jewish communities here that you're really excited to meet? I mean, like rep, like people, leaders that you've connected with online that you're excited to meet in person? Uh, so I got uh, I got an uh, invitation for a Shabbat dinner in the LGBT synagogue here. Uh, I'm very curious about that. I have to say, um, I want to do that. Um, I think... I think to a lot of uh, LGBT queer uh, young generation, which I heard they struggle a lot uh, in the society, also with the families, uh, I think the Chala can be a wonderful tool uh, to feel good with themselves uh, and also to go through this kind of process of discovering. And the most important thing, I think, it's to feel success when you make something on your own, uh, to, be, to feel good with what you do. And Kala for everyone. Kala Prince for everyone. <laughs> Idan, thank you so much. Thank you so it's much. So nice thank to talk you. To My you. pleasure, definitely. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And get your Take One merch, t-shirts, mugs, and other great stuff at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Tanya Singer, Courtney Hazlett, Robert Scarmucha, and Mark Oppenheimer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.